You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. How did Isaac and Rebecca wait patiently for each other? Find out in this audio message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Now, how many of you are in love this morning? Can you please raise your hand? Every day, okay? In love with Jesus for the singles. Uh, in love with your wife, for those of you who are married, and your husband. But we're going to be uh, going through this series entitled, It's Not That Complicated. And we're looking at relationships. Somehow, when the world would look at love, uh, they simply could not understand what love is. And so, in the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, you know, the, some stories in the Bible and what we can learn from uh, couples uh, and how God has loved uh, his people, no matter how imperfect they are, how many of you know that God's love is still the best love that there is, and God's love remains? And if you don't understand the love of God, it's just so hard for us to transfer that love to somebody that we think we love and we expect to love us. In fact, uh, this is just some Philippine statistics, and it's just bothering that more Pinoy couples now are seeking annulment despite the high cost. And this is just, I think, uh, a news last year in April uh, 4 of 2013, and it says the number of marriage annulment and uh, nullity cases filled in the country has steadily, is steadily rising for the past eight years. And in the second paragraph, you will see that a total of 10,000, more than 10,000 annulment cases have brought, been brought before the courts last year, over 1,000 cases more than the previous year. And about double the, ta- that, uh, the cases there was 10 years ago. And uh, if you look at some statistics, you'll find out, or some uh, graph, you'll see that really the annulment and the separation cases, not in the states, not in the Western country, but here in our own territory, in our own nation, a Christian nation, so to speak. And somehow, we don't believe in divorce, right? And yet... This reality is happening that there are other options of separation and annulment. Of course, if you look at relationships, there are just so many issues. And how many of you are married in this place? Please raise your hand. Married and happy. You ought to be able to raise your hands. This is your foggy point uh, opportunity for your spouse. Now, I understand that there are issues, right? How many of you have issues in your family? You have issues in your marriages. How many of you have ever fought at least once in your married life? Pastor, not just once. Every time, okay? But yes, there are issues that we talk about. Issues in attitudes towards relationships, assumptions, communication, commitment, confusion of roles, unfaithfulness, uh, so much expectations, misunderstandings. How many of you have a lot of that? When the wife would actually say sometimes that, you know, I'm okay. And that she doesn't talk to you for about three days. I don't think that's okay. She may say, I'm okay. And then she just passes you by in the house. There's some issues there of misunderstanding, selfishness, trust. And one of the major issues here is the spouse. This has been some of the survey that has been taken. 
And, you know, uh, I think it was Pastor Chico asked, what's some of the major issues in your marriage? And somebody said, the spouse. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And we're talking about this, this word, love life. Everybody say love life. How many singles do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. Singles and happy. Singles and glad. Not singles and sad. Or SAD, singles and desperate. No. Uh, but really, we are so much interested in this word, love life. Everybody say love life. That many times we don't understand what this word really means. That's why even in our own social media account, there's a classification of your status. It used to be so simple when I was in high school. It's either you're single, you're married, you're you know, widowed, or you're dead. <laughs> but now there are just so many different categories, and one of those is it's complicated. And so in the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about stories of three couples in the Bible. And I believe that many of you are familiar with this. Maybe some of you played this game when you were in high school. You know, you write down your name, and you write down her name, and you cross out. Oh, we have common names. F-L-A-M-E-S. Are we friends? Or lovers? Or, I think, A? Admirer. Well, modern-day admirer is really stalkers, right? Uh, no, no. Admirer or... To be married, engaged, or sweethearts. So we're going to be talking about today the story, about the story of Isaac and Rebecca. Next week, we're going to be looking at the story of Samson and Delilah. And the third week, we're going to be talking about Ruth and Boaz. Now let me just go ahead and put this as a foundation of uh, relationships, at least on this earth. You know, marriage is really God's idea. And I want to go ahead first to talk about, uh, talking about marriage because really the, the stories that we're going to be looking at is in that particular context of two people coming together. Marriage is really God's idea. And how many of you would agree with me on that? It's in the mind of God. Adam was not looking for a wife. When he was created by God in the garden, it was God who gave a wife to Adam. You know, nowadays, you're going to be looking at so many perversion about marriage. I'm not sure if you've watched the Grammys. I watched the first part. I stopped watching it because I got so deeply bothered by what I saw. But somehow, somebody told me that towards the end of the Grammys, there was a wedding. Wedding between gay people. A wedding between a man and a man. Or a woman to a woman. How many of you know that that is not God's design? God designed a marriage to be between two people, a man and a woman. Now I want to be just so blunt here this morning. I have nothing. We love the gay people. We love gay people. God sent His Son Jesus to die for them. In as much as he died for all the other sinners. We are all placed in the same pot. But somehow we cannot undo something that God made so beautiful and do it in our own terms. Really, it's either there are only two ways. It's either God's way 
or I did it my way. And how many of you know and would agree with me this morning that if you do it God's way, the fruit is always blessings and happiness and, you know, uh, you know just fulfillment in our relationship. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And that is the first scripture of marriage that we see in the Bible back in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. But you know, was God really addressing this particular verse to Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve had no father and mother. He was addressing this to all of us. Those who will come after Adam and Eve, the children of Adam and Eve. Those of us, how many of you had a, have a mother and a father? Can you please raise your hand? Hindi ka singaw. Sumulput ka lang, di ba? Hindi ganon, di ba? All of us, we all have fathers and mothers. Okay, whether, you know, biological or somebody, you know, adopted you. We all have fathers. And so, you know, somehow that is the equation of this relationship that it is God who initiates a marriage relationship. Now, if you're a single, how many of you, I, I've asked if, uh, some of you who are singles, now, remain that way for a while, okay? And I hope that when you look for a relationship, that you find the relationship for the right reasons. Don't get into a relationship because you're lonely. Because chances are, if you marry for the wrong reason, guess what? There's a lot of married couples who are still lonely. It doesn't make you happy if you get married to the wrong person. It actually makes things worse for, 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 for single people. And they end up frustrated and they end up being one of those statistics who would like to get annulled or be separated because they feel like you know, they missed out on what God has for them. Now let me just open up with a word of prayer. We're going to be reading... Uh, from the Word of God this morning. Can we just bow our heads right now? Father, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we welcome you in this place. We thank you for your love for every one of us. We thank you, Lord God, the ultimate example of love is you, Lord Jesus. When you gave your life on the cross for each and every one of us, you sacrificed and you died because before you, Lord God, is a people who were your enemies, who did not love you and yet... While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and He died for us. So Lord, we ask Holy Spirit, You would open up our hearts this morning and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And I'm going to say, Amen. Alright, so marriage is God's idea. And, you know, marriage will come, I believe, even if you're not really looking for it. I believe, you know, this, is going to be, this particular story that we're going to be looking at is really more like an arranged marriage. How many of you are familiar with the story of Isaac and Rebecca? How many of you read this chapter on Genesis chapter 24, Isaac and Rebecca? Can you please raise your hand? Are familiar with that, at least, the story of Isaac and Rebecca, how they got together? Now, this is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, 67 verses. And it'll take time for us to be able to unpack what God wants for us to learn in this particular story. Now, it says here in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 24, Abraham. Now, we're really looking at the story of Isaac and Rebekah. 
But yet, this particular chapter started off with Abraham, the father of Isaac. Abraham was now old and what? Well advanced in years. And the Lord had what? Blessed him in every way. You know what? When I am old, I'd like to be like this. Our father of the faith, Abraham. How many of you know that Abraham was not a perfect man? He made a lot of mistakes, right? And if you would go through each of the things that he did that he's not proud of, you know, some wrong decisions like sleeping with Hagar and ultimately producing Ishmael and, uh, you know, denying that his wife was really his wife and pretending that Sarah was his sister. Can you imagine how many of you wives would, would appreciate your husband in a party introducing you to other friends? You know what? This is my sister. Ah, sister, huh? Maybe that's the reason why they didn't really have children because of that. But so many things happened. You know, Abraham was not perfect. But yet, the Bible says, the Lord had blessed him. Not just in the area of finances, but where? In every way. How many of you want to be blessed in every way? That when we're old, when we're well along in advancing years, when we're near the grave, that the summary statement of God about us is that God has blessed us in every way. You know, the reality of the fact is there's really no perfect husband. Abraham was not a perfect husband, but he was a blessed man. He was not a perfect father, but he was a blessed family man. And you know what? There are really no perfect marriages that exist on earth today. How many of you know that even your pastor's marriages are not perfect? It's all, yeah, lakas nyo naman sumagot. Parang agree-agree kayo, no? You know, we all, we all depend on the grace of God. We all go through the same issues that you're facing. We go through the same issues of misunderstanding. We go through the same issues of children, you know, uh, sometimes not obeying. We go through some issues of wrong decisions in our homes. But yet, I believe that it's really the love of God that covers us because the love, you know, the love of God really covers over a multitude of sins. And that's, I believe, what the blessing of God is. That our goal in this life is not to be perfect. Our goal is simply to obey God. And as we obey God, guess what? The blessings of God will come to us. Ravi Zachariah said about uh, you know, this particular story, he said, from the time the story begins, God's covenantal love is embedded in the whole plot. It's really about God's love for Isaac and Rebekah, and he, he was the one who initiated this particular relationship. And ultimately, when you talk about couples, when you talk about finding the love of your life, how many of you know that there's an ultimate matchmaker? Now, I'm not talking about there's one particular woman that God has made for you, and you are burdened to find that person of all the 6 billion people in the planet. Can you imagine what kind of a burden that is? Lord, speak to me. Write her name on the wall. You know, give me a sign, Lord. Give me a sign. 
What's her name, God? And then you start looking for it in the stores. And you look at Robinson's department. Is it Robin? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's weird. We're not talking about that kind of a matchmaking here. Okay? We're not talking about you being so mystical about things and, you know, you know about talking about my soulmate. Somehow there's a missing rib. I need to find that missing rib. It's somewhere here in Manila or maybe in the U.S. or maybe in Indonesia. I don't know where it is, but it's missing. You know, it's, it's not like that. Now, if you are married, how many of you are married again? Please raise your hand. Guess what? You are permanently attached to that rib already, okay? There's no need to look for anything or no need to ask, Lord, did I get the right one? You are married to the right one right now, okay? And permanently, okay? Let me just say that, okay? Don't even question did I miss out on God? If you're married, that's it. Amen. You ought to be, yeah, that's a chance for you to say amen. Parang mahina yata. Parang di kayo masaya sa pinakasalan nyo. Can we just, yeah, there. Abraham is now old, well advanced in years. Basically, what we can find in the story of Abraham and Rebecca and Isaac, is that God loved us first. God loves us first. And really, it's more like a preparation for Isaac and Rebecca because God's love for Abraham was made into a covenant that he made for Abraham. And he gave him a promise. And Isaac was the son of the promise. When God gave Abraham a promise, he said, you're going to be a father. And not just a father. You're going to be a father to many nations. And guess what? If you're going to be a father to many nations, what has to happen? You, get, you need to have a son. And in order for you to become a father of many nations, your son has to be married and has to have sons. Right? And so, Abraham was old. And, you know, I guess for the world, they have this equation. For example, like some singles think that, you know, if I just get married, you know, I will be happy. Guess what? You can't just find love if you are incomplete because you need to find your completeness in God. You know, we, we look at this Hollywood saying or this Hollywood phrase, you know, you complete me. Or you had me at hello. You're something like that, right? You know, when you see somebody that you like and, you know, these are like pickup lines, you complete me. Guess what? The only person who can complete us is really God Himself. There's no person. It's humanly impossible for me to complete my wife. And for my wife to complete me, it's not possible. Because we are fallen from our nature. And we have needs. Many times I am selfish. Many times I am proud. And I'm confessing before you right now. Can you forgive your pastor? And many times I only think about, you know, what I think is right. And that's how many couples really have some misunderstanding. And so, it's not about looking at another person to complete you. It's God who completes us. So can you imagine this love equation? One times one half. What's the answer? If you're incomplete and you feel like this person is complete, I need to attach to this person so that I will be complete. Guess what? Ultimately, your marriage will be what? One half. It's still not complete. Can you imagine if you're one-fourth? Well, that's worse. Right? One times one-fourth is what? One-fourth. But if you're whole, if you're, you know, if you're complete in the Lord, if you're a whole person, 
and you find your security and your love from the Lord, and then you find somebody who also finds his, her love and security from the Lord, one times one. You become one. And this basically is what God's design is. It's not one plus one equals two. It's one times one equals one. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become how many? One flesh. That's what marriage is all about. Two becoming one. We're not talking about being weird, as in always dressing up the same. You know, we're one. You know, we're you know same, same clothes every day. You know, you wear green, I'll wear green also in the office. Okay? And then you're gonna, you know, whatever. Same hairstyle or same, you know, same car, you know, same. That's weird. We're not talking about that oneness. Okay? Of course, I talked about soulmate already. You know, soulmate is having this idea that somebody can actually give you fulfillment, but that's not really a reality. Let's move on. Verse 2. Abraham said to his chief servant, and I was really wondering about this story because of all the people he would call, he called his servant, not Isaac. Now, don't talk, you know, don't ask me about the details because there are cultural reasons why this was done, that may not really be applicable to our culture right now. Okay? Like one of these things, for example, he said to his chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now, this chief servant is not a lady. It's a man. His name is Eleazar. And if you are a guy, would you tell your friend, Put your hand under my thigh. You know where that is? It's not the outer thigh. It's the inner thigh. And culturally, what that means is that you're asking somebody to take an oath or a promise. It's, it's equivalent to modern-day handshake or signing a contract. I'd rather sign a contract than put my hand under the thigh of somebody, right? So verse 3. After the servant filed for perversion charges. No, no, no. Uh, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. Now, you've got to understand that when, when God called Abraham to leave Haran, he basically said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, leave your country, your father, in your father's household, and go to a land that I will show you. And that is the land of Canaan. So here is Abraham. He is in Canaan land. That's the promised land. But yet the people living in the promised land are not renewed. That is the, the land of promise. But yet the women there are not godly. The Canaanite women were adulterers. I mean, I, idolaters. Okay, sorry. Idolaters. Okay? They worship idols. And so he's... His condition with the servant was, promise me that you will not get a wife because he's, you know, he's old. He cannot go and travel and find a wife to help Isaac to find a wife that's fitting for her. And so he said to the servant, go and, you know, uh, uh, sorry, among, sorry, verse 4, but we'll go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. So what he's saying is, don't get from among the women who are not from our family, from our, from not, from our, who are not from our clan, 
who have a different set of belief system, different convictions, because ultimately that will be bad for my son. Now, of course, we understand that you know, there's a scripture in Corinthians, we are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And of course, that is like some of a, one of the big questions of singles nowadays. You know, Pastor, you know, how can that be possible? You know, you know, I work in an office and there's so many good-looking guys. And they look hot. You know, they're like hunks, you know. And they're kind of nice. They're, you know, they're gentlemen and, you know, they're responsible, you know. I cannot really find somebody like that in our church or somebody like that who's a Christian. Now, that comment really hurts me. We need men to rise up nowadays. Men who are Christians, men of deep convictions, men who are responsible, men who are actually fearing God and would love their wife and would sacrifice for their wives in the future. So, anyway, it is still the best. And the, the design of God is for, for single people to really find somebody of the same conviction as they have. And so, verse 5, the servant asked him, what if? Everybody say, what if? What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? And sometimes people ask the what if question. They play the what if game. You know, what if I grow old and not get married anymore, Pastor? Naintindihan mo ba yun? What if I miss out? There's this nice girl in my office. She likes me. I like her. We're inflamed already. But she's not a Christian. What if, you know, this is, you know, good enough for me? Are you willing to settle for the good enough instead of God's best for you? And so, there's just so many questions. What if, what if, what if, what if? So Abraham said, as long as you don't take my son back to the country, I'm going to release you from the oath that we're making right now. That girl has to come back here, but don't take Isaac out of this country. We are not leaving this land. Isaac needs to stay in this land because this is the land of promise. And I hope that you will hear what the Lord is speaking through that particular scripture. Singles, we are not leaving this land. This is your land of promise. Don't think that there are, there's a greener pasture out there. What if I just try out? One time lang. One time big time. And try out a relationship. Well, a relationship that you probably would regret later on. Young children, I'm talking, young, young men, young women, I'm talking to you right now. Don't think that in a moment, uh, you know, a fleeting moment of just trying out, you know, being adventurous, being crazy for the world. You know, I, I want you to be saved from all the, the heartache that you can actually get, you know, trying out different relationships out there. You know, stay in the land. We are not leaving this land. Stay in the land of promise. Stay in the land that God has given us. Couples, husband and wife. You know, even if you feel that, you know, there's no more emotions 
or tingling sensation. I don't have any, you know, uh, hair standing up, you know, every time I see my husband, you know, parang wala na siyang hair or whatever, you know. Hindi ko na siya maintindihan ngayon. There's no more romance. Guess what? Don't leave the land. Stay in the land of promise. You know, ultimately, Abraham was not looking at a person. But Abraham was looking at the promise of God for him. He was staying in Canaan for 65 years. And he was saying, you know, I'm not going to leave this land because ultimately I believe that God will bless me in this land. He will provide for my son Isaac in this land and we will live in this land and we will propagate from this land. Let's move on in verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and left taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. Can you imagine? Eliezer, the servant, took 10 camels with several servants. And what are those camels for? That's for dowry. Okay? That's a cultural practice before. And I think some, some people still do that today. Some cultures do that today. Now, basically, what this is saying is, he's really about to give gifts. So it's a cultural practice. He's, you know, wanting to, you know, having that opportunity to be a blessing to the family of, of this woman that he's about to meet. So he set out. Everybody say, set out. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. You know what? The servant did not just, you know, intended to be just lucky, you know, or he just winged it. But he was intentional. He set out in finding this bride for his master, Isaac. So one of the principles that we can actually get here is you've got to be intentional. You know, many times we think that this thing happens by chance, but in reality, there's a preparation that's needed. Now, how many singles do we still have? Do we still have? How many singles do we have in this place again? Please raise your hand. I'm not picking on you right now. But what I'm saying is, in your desire, how many of you believe that God will bring you to somebody and be married someday? Please raise your hand. While waiting, you've got to be ready. There's a preparation that's needed. You know, my question is, are you preparing with your life skills? There's an intentionality here. You know, if you want to be married, women, do you know how to cook? Pastor, matipid naman. Kain na kami lagi sa labas. Or whatever, okay? Basta kumakain kayo, okay? You gotta be intentional. The, the, the servant was intentional. Second is pray, pray and move in wisdom. The servant moved in wisdom and he prayed first. And he was praying in verse 12. He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing... Beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming to, out to draw water. Now, when he prayed, there's a certain placement that he chose. There's a certain location that he went to. He prayed, Lord, give me the, you know, the right person or lead me to the right person. He did not go to the pub. He did not go to the bar or whatever. He did not go to the town's party. But he went to a very strategic place, the spring or the well. Because that's where the hardworking and responsible people are. And he was really looking at somebody who's got character. Everybody say character. He was looking for a person who is 
you know, who has character more than, you know, just loving pleasure in life. So in verse 14, he continued to pray, May it be that when I say to a girl, and this was the prayer, the prayer was, Lord, lead me, lead me to a very, very beautiful woman. That was not the prayer. The prayer was, please let down your... When I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. What a unique prayer. Don't you think that's unique? Of all the prayers that the servant can actually pray for, Lord, if I find this girl, may her be the one that asks me, if I ask for a drink, somebody would give me a drink, and who would also give water to my camels. And it speaks of the strength of character of a woman. Can you imagine a woman carrying a jar from the well? I don't know how many, you know, how big the biceps are. But somehow, these are responsible women in the land, going to the well, serving, you know, uh, the men in their family. And he said this, By this I know that you have shown kindness to my master. So we've got to consider character when we're finding a mate. Now I'm saying this also for those of you who are married. Maybe some of you are married and you've got children. This is good also for us in giving advice to our future kids who will be on their way also in relationships. Consider the character. Can you imagine a camel? A camel has two humps. It says that, according to studies, that a camel has to consume 20 gallons of water to be satisfied. How many camels did the servant bring with him? Ten camels. Can you imagine how many jars it will take for Rebecca? And she said, I'm going to... Somehow, let's continue. Okay, I think you're getting the point. But before he finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abram's brother Nahor. How many of you know that it was God who led the servant straight to where he should be? Amen. And I believe that even in relationships, guess what? There's no striving. I believe that God can lead you without even helping God. God can lead us to where we ought to be. Amen. Amen. And maybe you, you you who are married here, you can probably share your stories about how God brought you together. You know, despite the fact maybe that before you got married, you were still not Christians. Guess what? Even if you were not Christians before, I believe God was the one who was intentional enough to put you together. He was intentional enough and strategic enough to bring you ultimately to this church and raise up godly children. That is in the idea or in the intentions of God. You know what? You know, many, many of you have heard my sto- of my story. You know, when... When I graduated from college, I took up accountancy, and I was reviewing in the board exam. I had to uh, review in the board exam that my school really was running. And, you know, it's mostly my classmates and the people from my school, from La Salle. And so out of the blue, there's this girl who enrolled from another school, from La Consolacion, who enrolled in the same class that I had, and she was sitting right across the other aisle, and one day, she was singing the song, We Are the Reason. Well, I think it was my friend who was singing the song, We Are the Reason. And they spoke to each other, Are you a Christian? And then the other guy said, Yes, I am a Christian. And my friend here is a Christian. 
And so they were introduced in that same school, and that girl was Shirley. Of all the places that we will meet, I mean, would you say that that is Pastor Serendipity yon, Pastor? I don't know what that is, but I believe that God somehow has a hand in that. I see the handprint of God all over our story, and I believe that you can also see the hand of God in your story. We became friends from that particular school. Ultimately, we become study mates. We took the board exam together. I was employed, and I asked her, do you want to come and apply in the company I'm working with? She applied. She was accepted. And the HR department placed her in the same office where I was working. Our tables were right beside each other. We see each other every day. I mean, of all the places that we will be meeting, we met in a review school. Never knew her from Adam. We became friends. She was a Christian attending another church. And when I shared to her my conviction of not fooling around and remaining pure and holy, she said, I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. (laughs) That week, she broke up with her boyfriend and she moved to victory. At that point, I had no intention for her. Okay, I want to clarify that. <laughs> but what you sow is what you reap, right? So anyway, so we became friends, not lovers. We did not start as lovers. But ultimately, the love developed there in the office. And what happened then, after 24 years of being married, you know, I'm still a happy married man. And I love my wife deeply. You know, talking about intentionality, talking about preparedness, talking about God, you know, moving, ultimately, He is the absolute matchmaker. And I'm sure you can stand here and share your story, how you guys met. Maybe you met in the hospital. Maybe you met in the parking lot. Maybe somebody stole your parking or, you know, and then you parked in another parking. And, you know, you now are thanking the one who stole your parking because you met your future wife. In the same parking space. So I don't know what circumstances you're in. But somehow we see that God's hand was moving in the life of Isaac and Rebecca. Now in verse 16 it says, The girl was very beautiful. Everybody say beautiful. beautiful. Of course, maganda rin na maganda, di ba? So the, the prayer of the servant was not, Lord, make her hot or you know, make her beautiful. But somehow this is just like a bonus. But what's interesting here is the, the, the girl was very beautiful, a virgin. Everybody say a virgin. No man had ever lain with her or slept with her. And it's interesting to know that the Bible placed these two words side by side. She was beautiful and she was a virgin. Guess what? Purity is beautiful. Being pure and holy before the Lord while waiting for the right person is beautiful. In the eyes of God. Amen. And you may come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I'm no longer beautiful because I, something happened in the past. Guess what? The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. From here on, you are pure before the Lord. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9 says that God is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us. To purify us from all unrighteousness. There's therefore now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, guess what? In the eyes of God, you are a virgin. Amen? 
Can we just give the Lord praise for His grace? You are beautiful. Don't ever believe the lie from an unbeliever man that says, if you really love me, you will sleep with me. After slapping him twice, leave that guy. You don't deserve that. You deserve to be pursued. You deserve to be waited for. You deserve to be honored. Purity ultimately is beautiful. Impossible, you would say. Sometimes you would think, Lord, it's hard. Is it really impossible? Can we really live here on earth and find the guy? No, it's not impossible. I believe it's possible. Even if you think, it's so hard, it's so difficult, by the grace of God, it is possible. Verse 17, the servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And what happened in verse 19, after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw for your camels too. Answered prayer. She did not just give him a drink, but the same girl, Rebecca, she said, I'll draw from your camel. Can you imagine how many jars she had to carry to water the camels until they have finished drinking? So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. What a strong woman. (laughs) Without saying a word, the man or the servant watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Singles, this is a good principle for you to learn. Watch that person's life closely. You know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said that in marriage, uh, before marriage, you've got to open your eyes, and while in marriage, you've got to close your eyes. Something like that. <laughs> but I think the world is doing the opposite. They're closing their eyes before marriage, and they're now opening their eyes after marriage and start seeing the fault and the, you know, the impurity and the imperfection of the person that they actually got married to. So watch that person closely. Watch her life. Watch his life. Watch how he treats his mom. Because chances are, if this guy treats his mom with honor and respect, that he or she, he would also honor and respect you and take care of you. Watch the way he would live. Watch his words. Watch out for his friends. Who are the people he's hanging out with? Watch him or watch her closely and learn whether or not this is the Lord uh, putting you together. Let's move on. Fast forward. Basically what happened was the girl brought the servant to his house, uh, to her house and uh, you know, Laban and Bethuel basically uh, invited him to stay over for one night and they recounted, the servant just recounted the story of how he was sent by his master Abraham to find a wife. And so ultimately what they said was, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. In other words, if you're choosing a spouse, let God be the center of your relationship. Amen. Let him be the starting point, let him be the middle point, let him be the ending point. Not just a sub point 
in the relationship. Let God be the one to control and direct and be the master planner of that relationship. So ultimately, Bethuel and Laban, the father and the brother, agreed, but yet they asked Rebecca. So they called Rebecca in verse 58 and asked her, Will you go with this man? And ultimately, Rebecca said, I will go, she said. Can you imagine, first time she met this servant. Now, I don't know, culturally, probably it makes sense at that time, but nowadays, you don't just go with a stranger, right? <laughs> I will go with you to marry your master. I, you, know, you might end up somewhere. <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta learn how to really interpret the scriptures. We're learning from the principles. We're not taking it verbatim, right? Ultimately, God loved us first. And love is a decision. She made a decision. I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to love this man, even if I have not met the man. In verse 62, now Isaac, on the other hand, I don't know now if Isaac really is behind this or he was totally unaware of the arrangement between his dad, Abraham, and the servant, Eliezer. But in verse 62, now Isaac had come from Ber Lahai Roy, for he was living in the, in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to do what? To meditate. He was doing exactly what God wants him to do. He was meditating. He was spending time with the Lord. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw this handsome man. She got down from her camel. And what did she do? And asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master. The servant answered. So she took her veil and what? She covered herself. The world's tendency is to uncover. Born this way. But the right thing to do is she covered herself. She was so modest. She was pakipot a bit. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done, basically recounted what happened. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, because Sarah at this point died about three years already. And he married Rebekah, so she became his wife. And what did he do? He loved her. Love really is a decision. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. You know, God loved us first so we can love others. That despite all the difficult situations you will experience in your love life, in your marriage, maybe even at the beginning of marriage, you may actually get married under the rain, in the flood, no matter what happens, in the storm. Ultimately, if it is God, it is a marriage made in heaven. Amen. And the bottom line and the basis of our relationship is really what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Isaac did nothing. And he married his bride, Rebecca. But Jesus, as a bridegroom, did all the things to prepare his bride, the church, so that we can be with him. And in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, As Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. He sacrificed, he died, he exemplified the real essence of love, which is to give up his life for the ultimate love of his, of his life. 
We hope you were inspired by that message. Love is a key theme in the Bible. Discover and experience what God's love is all about by following our weekly series and by joining a victory group. For more information, just visit our concierge on weekends or leave us a message at www.victoryalabang.org or at facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you and stay connected.